Hey everyone, welcome to episode 175 of the Juice Box Podcast. Frequently you'll hear me talk about having a private conversation with somebody about type 1 diabetes. Well, on today's episode, we're going to talk to Brittany. And Brittany reached out through email and was just looking for some private consultation, I guess. And I said, you know what, Brittany, you're a perfect person to come on the podcast because of her background and how long she'd had diabetes and the problems that she was encountering. Brittany was scared. She was leaving her blood sugar high. Uh, She didn't quite understand how to get off the roller coaster. And I said, you know what? Why don't you come on the show and we'll talk this through just like we would on the phone. We'll see what happens. And she did, which I'm very grateful for. So this episode is going to be called Not Bold Brittany. Not Bold Brit? Let's go with Not Bold Brit. I like that one. As I was editing this episode almost seven months after it was recorded, I reached out to Brittany just to check on her and see how she was doing, and she responded with a short email that I'm going to share with you at the end of the podcast. Hey, you guys bought so many Bold with Insulin t-shirts and magnets that my supply is pretty low. I don't have all the sizes and all the colors anymore, so I've made everything 20% off. I'm going to sell the rest, get it out of my house, if you know what I mean. There's going to be a sale that goes on until August 31st, 20% off when you use the coupon code BOLD. Your purchases include free shipping within the United States. If you're outside the United States, just send me an email and we'll figure out how to get you something. I'm going to save whatever little bit is left to take on my speaking engagements later this year. So I really appreciate you guys buying them all up and not sticking me with them. Thank you very much. And there's a few left if anybody else wants them. Let's get on with the show. Today's episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by Dexcom, makers of the G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor, and by Omnipod, the tubeless insulin pump that Arden has been wearing for a decade. And you know, I always talk about how long Arden's been wearing the Omnipod. She's been wearing the Dexcom a really long time, too. I wonder how long. I'll figure that out for you and let you know next time. Anyway, if you want to learn more, go to Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. MyOmnipod.com forward slash juicebox, links in your podcast player notes, or at juiceboxpodcast.com. For today's episode, doubly listen to what I'm about to say because it's doubly, doubly important. Nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should ever be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before being bold with insulin, making a change to your medical plan, or pretty much doing anything you hear in this silly little podcast. My name is Brittany. I am 23. I live in San Diego. I got diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when I was 7 years old, and I'm now 23, so that's about 16 years with type 1. First of all, thanks for coming on and doing this. This is really great. Mm-hmm. You, I'm excited. Oh, good. I'm glad. So uh, Brittany's like in her, in her car, staying away from her dogs and everything. And she, she's gone above and beyond to be on the podcast, which we really appreciate. But Brittany's not on to tell us that everything's going great or she figured something out. Brittany's on to say something that I think is going to be really valuable to everybody. So Brittany, why don't you first tell us, like, how did you find the podcast? Um, I was trying to find more connections with the type 1 community. I don't really know any adults with type 1. So it's nice to know it was not just me going through this. Um, I did find a Facebook group too, and I think they might have mentioned you. Um, 
but also from your podcast, I ended up getting the Omnipod, which I absolutely love. I just want to put that out there. I hope Omnipod is listening. <laughs> no, but so, but so you, the, the point is, is that you were looking for some sort of feeling of not being alone and, and you found, mm-hmm. you found that initially, but then I think listening, you kept listening and then you decided, I mean, you've had diabetes for quite some time. So at seven years old, when, when you're diagnosed at seven, do you take on any responsibility or do your parents pretty much handle? Um, my parents pretty much handled type, my type one from seven to 18. And then my parents got divorced. My mom moved out of state and she was the main one doing my um, type one duties. So when she moved, I was kind of thrown out into this big world of this disease that I never really handled on my own. Okay. And it's been, what is that? 23 from 18. It's been about five years right. and I still have no clue what I'm doing. I feel like, okay. so I'm just kind of relearning how to take care of myself because my parents did it for so long. It almost feels like you're not just relearning it. You're actually learning it because if they were, if they were handling it, handling it, I mean, right up to you were 18, it was almost like a bell went off and your mom was like, okay, so legally I'm getting the hell out of here now. <laughs> um, <laughs> good luck, Brittany. And guy I don't like anymore. I'm, I'm gone. And, and, <laughs> so, and so that's not just, I mean, like, like be really serious for a second. Like your parents get divorced. You're still 18. You're still very young. And so that's happening. And as that's happening, somebody looks at you and goes, Oh, by the way, this disease that we've been handling for you, you got this now. Goodbye. Yeah. That was really hard. <laughs> I can't, I can't imagine. Like I'm assuming you didn't did you throw yourself into understanding the diabetes or did you kind of ignore it for a while? What was the path? I definitely went the route of ignoring it. Mm-hmm. And recently from listening to your podcast, I started caring more. Um, I also got married in between that time from 18 to 23. So my husband is always like, you need to take care of yourself. And then from him and your podcast, I'm kind of realizing like I am in control and I need to do something about it. But I feel like without the guidance from your podcast, I might've not learned that till like later in life. First of all, I'm glad to hear that your husband likes you. He clearly wants you to stick yeah. around. He's so, uh, <laughs> and, and we like you, Brittany. So we want you to stick around too. So, so we're going to, so the reason you're on today is because you sort of wholeheartedly grabbed onto the idea of like being bold and, but it just, it's not going well. Is that right? Yep. That's totally correct. Okay. I'm the kind of person that you talk about in your podcast that thinks 200 is a good number. Mm-hmm. Um, just due to the fact that I'm so scared of going low and I don't know how to get over that factor. Like it's just in my head way back in there and I can't really seem to pass that fear, I guess. It's a speed bump you can't get over. So, okay. So that's a good place to start. Let me just, um, let's break it down a little bit and talk. So you said you have an Omnipod. Um, mm-hmm. and you, what kind of insulin's in that, in the Omnipod? Um, I'm currently on Novolog. Novolog. And do you have a CGM by any chance? Yes, I'm on the Dexcom. Okay. So you are set up for success. Now we, mm-hmm. just, now we just have to just shove you up over the speed bump so you can get on the bright, shiny side of it and, uh, and get off the side with the big puddle and the pothole. So, um, so, so I think that what we're going to do is this podcast is probably going to fall a little more along the lines of what a private phone call with me might sound like. So mm-hmm. if you don't mind, I'm going to, we're going to ask a lot of questions and we're going to talk back and forth and see if we can figure it out. So let's first say, of course, Brittany, that nothing you hear on the juice box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise, always consult a physician before blah, 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 blah. And basically what I'm saying <laughs> is if you listen to anything I say and you drop dead, please tell your husband not to call me. <laughs> but I don't think it's going to get that serious.
I think the first thing you're bringing up is your fear. And, you know, we, you've probably heard me talk about it on here is the first thing that I identified is when I, when I decided that I wanted to try to help people understand better how to manage themselves and take care of themselves and be healthier, the first thing that I identified as being an issue was going to be to wash their fear away. Because once, once you've got that fear and it's completely founded, you know what I mean? It's not like you're just scared for no reason. Some, some people can push past it and some people get stuck in it. So, so explain to me first that piece of it. When you go to push your blood sugar down, what's the feeling? Um, so during the day now, I'm getting a little bit better. I kind of stay around like 150, which I know is not very good. It's more of the nighttime lows that I'm scared of. Mm-hmm. Um, so I will literally, if I'm like 120 before I go to bed, I'll eat a snack to make myself 200. Mm-hmm. And I don't really feel comfortable going to bed under 200. So I'll push my sugar up purposely just so I don't have a low overnight. Even with the Dexcom, I have never really had a low blood sugar overnight. I'm just scared that it would happen. Okay. I've heard a bunch of bad stories about that. Um, but during the day, because of your podcast, I feel like I've got a little bit more tighter control during the day because I know I could fix it easily. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more the nighttime I'm kind of freaked out by. I get that. So I think that that sounds to me like your path to losing that fear is probably less based in overnight at the moment and it's more based during the day when you can see it. So I would think that once you could see yourself, let's see how to say this. So during the day, are you having stability with your blood sugars or are they bouncing? Um, they're like a roller coaster. (laughs) So then that's really the first step to getting rid of the fear is, is finding stability because once you find stability and you can live with that stability during the day, then you can start trusting that what you're doing is causing the stability. And then maybe you can get into a position where you can start trusting overnight that that stability is going to stick around for you too. And, mm-hmm. and then from there, I think you have to sort of lean on your husband a little bit and tell him, look, you know, I'm going to need you to listen for this alarm as well. You, you, you know, it can't, it can't just mm-hmm. be me because if you do get low overnight and you know, you might need someone to help you, but, but are you afraid of like a little low? So like, let's talk about low for a second. What do you consider Mm -hmm. low? Um, well, on my Dexcom, it's at 90 and under. Okay. Do you, but I start, right. When do you feel low? Probably around a hundred. My sugars are usually around 200. So a hundred feels like when I start getting shaky and stuff, I feel like it was around a hundred. Okay. So I'm pretty sure that once you once we can push down your daytime blood sugars a little bit, that 100 won't feel low anymore. Mm-hmm. And so, so try to keep this in mind. Nothing bad is going to happen to you. Like you're not going to become incapacitated at 100 or 90 mm-hmm. or 80 or 70. I mean, you might feel really shaky right now because your body's more accustomed to being at, you know, a 200. But listen, I've seen my daughter have a seizure. And it doesn't happen till you're like under 30, at least for, mm. for at least for Arden. Now, hold on one second. We're going to do Arden. Yeah. You, you get to be online for Arden's, uh, Arden's bolus. Uh, Yay. She, she's at school today and she has a half day. Um, and so she doesn't have a full meal. She's got, she's just got all the crappy stuff from the meal. Um, <laughs> her blood sugar is 75. Um, when are you eating? Because I don't really know the um, the half day schedule all that well. She's gonna tell me she has no idea <laughs> because she's gonna try to make it harder. I'm, I'm waiting for the confirmation of what I know is gonna happen, which is <laughs> I, 
I don't know. I don't know. Um, but let me think of what's in that bag. Oh, it's a cornucopia of not good stuff. Actually, she's got a little mixed fruit cup. She has a mm. small banana. She has a grab bag of Doritos. I believe they're Cool Ranch for those interested. Uh, four or five braided pretzels that are about three inches long and about a quarter or a half inch thick. And I think that's what... Ooh, Oreos. Three Oreos. So, Oreos, pretzels, chips. Two, four, seven, banana, eight and a half, uh, mixed fruit cup, ten. You think ten units will do it, Brittany? Oh, that's so hell? big. Why big not? number. Let's try. Let's try 10. So she hasn't even gotten back to me yet. So she's in the middle of a class right now um, with the teacher who's probably not accustomed to her texting about her, her blood sugar. So she's probably being a little more covert. So now I say hello. Then she will answer me back that she's not the flash is what she told me last week. She's like, you have to give me a second. I'm not the flash. Then, so I, then I sent animated gifts of the flash at her for a while <laughs> until that, until that irritated her. And then I stopped. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to say that this is about 10 and a half units. She's probably going to eat in about 15 minutes. I love the 75 number because it's a nice steady 75. She's been around 82 all morning. Mm-hmm. So she's, she's awesome. She's, she's, this is a drift not a fall. And if I look at the three hour line on our Dexcom right now, it's bending the other way. So I'm willing to bet that if we did nothing, she'd probably be back above 80 in the next five or 10 minutes. So let's be a little more aggressive here and actually go with the whole 10 and a half units. Is that right? The cookies are going to really kick her in the uh, butt. All I need now is for her to answer. All right, Brittany, we're going to keep talking until she answers. Okay. I'm going, to type, I'm going to type my response to her now, which is going to be bolus. Let's see. Extend. Let's say 10 units. I chickened out on the other half. Uh, <laughs> and we're going to do, we're actually going to do 0% now. And the balance and the rest. Oh, actually, she just answered me. She's going to be eating in 10 minutes. So 0% now and the rest over half hour. So that'll give, I have 10 minutes for the first, I don't know, let's do our rough math. First third of the insulin to go in, which is going to be about, what, three and a half units. It'll start being active. She'll go up till about 90 when the food hits her. The rest of the insulin will kick in. This might work. I might have to. I might, I might have to bolus again in about forty-five minutes uh, if the if the cookies hit her really fast. Anyway, Brittany. Okay, so so our first, I think, our first step for you is is that you feel low when you're not low, right? And while I can't tell you exactly when your body is going to, you know, kick over, um, I, you know, I can tell you that for Arden, I've seen it twice. It's been under thirty both times. Like I've seen mm-hmm. her be thirty and be talking. And we, of course, don't want you or anyone else in that situation. That information is just to help you have comfort, to tell you that at 100, you're still really good. Mm-hmm. So you're not just good. My blo- I haven't eaten yet today. My blood sugar is probably 80. Yeah. And so um, that's I think, is your first hurdle. And I think that the way you get past that hurdle is by pushing your daytime blood sugars down slowly until that feeling goes away at 100. So... If you're sitting at 150 now, so where's your, tell me your Dexcom lines again. Um, so it's low as 90 and then my high is 180. Okay. 
So this is simple. It's it's Thanksgiving weekend. We're talking uh, the day before Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. So the first thing you want to do is push your high down to 150 and start addressing your blood sugars when you as you're approaching that. And are you using kind of the bumping and nudging idea of not like because it sounds like you're not. Because here's what I think is happening. I think that you're getting to 180, your Dexcom's telling you your blood sugar's high, you're bolusing a, probably a significant amount of insulin or you're not or you're just happy to just kind of leave it at 180. And then when it's time to eat, at some point, you have to be aggressive with the insulin. When is it? And you're probably doing it before a meal, and then you're getting low afterwards. Is that what's happening? I'm guessing. Yeah, pretty much. So it's like it'll be sturdy at 150, I'll eat, and then it skyrockets, then I'll go low. Okay, so you're not pre-bolusing? Um, I try to do it 15 minutes before. I just doesn't seem to be working very well. Okay, so what happens? Well, so, so first of all, you're starting at 150. So you're, mm-hmm. you're a little in the hole already. Um, I would love to see you address the 150 before a meal. So if a meal's at noon, maybe at 11.15, work on pushing the 150 down to 110. Mm-hmm. And then, so just a small bolus or even an increased basil, right, to push the 150 down so that when you're eating, you start eating more around 110 until you start to feel better at 100. And then, then you should be able to put in a pre-bolus that would be impactful enough to stave off the, the spike a little bit. Now, so are you spiking? So tell me about the pre-bolus. The pre-bolus happens 15 minutes later. Are you actually seeing a decrease in the 150 or is it not moving yet? It doesn't move down yet. It just goes up and then it'll crash later. Okay. So in, I would like to see you wait for the pre-bolus to be working before you start eating. Mm-hmm. So a diagonal down arrow. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if you start at 150, you get diagonal down and all of a sudden you're at, are you, are you using the whole amount as a pre-bolus or not all of it? Um, usually I'll do like 50% up front and then 50% over the half hour. Okay. So, so, then I, so then think about it this way. You've calculated amount of insulin you need. You think you need for the food. You may or may not mm-hmm. be right. It sounds like you're probably not. You're probably underestimating. On, mm-hmm. on top of that, you have a blood sugar that's, in my mind, 60 points higher than you want it to be at 150. And so you're not compensating for the 60 points in the bolus, and you're probably undercounting the carbs. So you're just not starting with enough insulin. Yeah, right. I definitely, I definitely don't do carb counting well. I'll be like, oh, it's probably eighty, and then I'll bolus for like sixty because I don't want to go low. Now I'm imagining that many of you have felt the way Brittany felt, or maybe you still feel that way. What you need is some confidence, a backup. You need a partner, like the Dexcom continuous glucose monitor. You need to be able to feel like I can bolus with confidence because if I should miscalculate this insulin. I'm going to get a warning well ahead of any kind of a problem that I might have with a low or a high blood sugar. And that's just one of the amazing things that the Dexcom Continuous Glucose Monitor can do for you. Besides telling you your blood sugar is getting low, your blood sugar is getting high, it's rising this fast, it's falling this quickly, what else does Dexcom do for you? Well, I'm glad you asked. How about a share and follow feature available for Android and Apple phones? where someone wearing the Dexcom CGM is anywhere in the world, really, and you are anywhere in the world, and you can see what their blood sugar is. You can follow along with their blood sugar. 
Maybe your child's at a sporting event, at a sleepover, at school. Perhaps your spouse is a nurse who just worked a long night shift and is now at home sleeping while you're at work. All you do is set the parameters where you want. Now we have Arden set at 70, right? Her low blood sugar threshold on her Dexcom is at 70. If she drops below 70, it tells us. We have her high set at 130. If her blood sugar tries to go over 130, it tells us. And then we can make decisions, insulin decisions, that keep things from getting wildly out of hand. You, you know, you listen to the podcast, you know. Just go to Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. The link's in the show notes or juiceboxpodcast.com. I definitely don't do carb counting well. I'll be like, oh, it's probably 80, and then I'll bolus for like 60 because I don't want to go low. Think about it this way. I think this, this is an, a, real simple, a real simple way to figure things out as far as that goes, which is if you're bolusing, we're just going to use pretend numbers, but if you bolus 10 units for a meal and an hour later your blood sugar is how high? Where, where, um, where do you see it go to when it, when it pumps up? Like 270 probably. Okay. Now you're at 270. How much insulin does it take to get you back to 150? Uh, about four units. Okay, so those four units belong in the initial bolus. Right? Because if, it, if you put in a certain amount that you think is right, but it ends yeah. up not being correct and four more units has to bring it down, those four units belonged up front. You needed them. Now, mm-hmm. you might end up finding out that those four units maybe aren't all needed if the pre-bolus was more aggressive. So if the pre-bolus was more aggressive, it's possible those four units might be three units or two units. You might, you might actually be using more insulin because of the way you're, the timing of that you're using it than you would if you, if you used more up front. Because now you're not just addressing the food, you're addressing the food and the high blood sugar. And, and let's remember, you're not actually getting back down to 90, so you're still, that's still more in there you could use. So there's, there's a lot of leeway for you to be more, bo- to be more bold, I guess, mm-hmm. and, 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 and still be on the safe side. Yeah, I guess, uh, yeah, I, I get you. I have a question. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know you're talking about Arden and the seizures. So how did you get from that point, you think, to like how you are now? Like, how did you stop being afraid? Like, is there any like key to that? <laughs> well, no, I think the way I stopped being afraid is it, it, it took time and it was a col- it was a collection of ideas. Um, it was, first of all, my the very first situation was my endocrinologist, uh, nurse practitioner Arden's told me that her biggest hurdle in her job was getting people not to be afraid of insulin. She said that if she could do that, she'd be the most successful nurse practitioner in the world. And so I thought, okay, if she's identifying that as her most important goal, maybe I should make that my most important goal. Um, obviously, having a Dexcom CGM allowed me to be more like free with that idea because you really do have, you know, there's an early warning system to let you know something's going on. Um, and so I leaned on that a little bit. Then it was just sort of my desire from there about health, right? Like, like you start thinking about trading now for later or later for now and thinking like, you know, why am I, why am I living? Why am I letting my daughter's health be, Oh, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Because when we get to that bridge, that bridge is going to be some serious 
like long-term effects from having diabetes. It's not, it's not going to be, you know, a fine I pay at the end. It's going to be, it's going to be any number of scary things that could happen to someone whose blood sugars are high over a lifetime. And so I had it in my head, like, I don't want to trade. I don't want to trade today for tomorrow. I don't want to kill her, but I don't want to trade today for tomorrow. And then I think you're going to find this kind of hard to believe, but the thing that really helped push me over was talking to Will Hover's mom. And I don't know if you've listened back to that episode, but Will passed away. He was at college. He was at college. He got the flu. I think he passed away in his sleep and spoke to his mother about it for an hour. And towards the end of the episode, she just said this sentence that just impacted me. She said, my son lived a great life and I would rather have seen him live, you know, 20 amazing years than 40 just so-so years. And I thought to be able to say that after, you know what I mean? Like after something, because yeah. it's easy, Brittany, to, to make these big pronouncements. You're young still, right? But you'll, yeah. you'll have this moment where you'll want to have a baby or something like that and something, something silly, which by the way, don't do that. And, and yeah. <laughs> you'll want to have a baby and you'll start having these overwhelming feelings like you would give your life for your child, right? And, mm-hmm. and people have those feelings, but then when the time comes to actually execute, sometimes people back up and go, you know what? I, I said I'd step in front of a bus, but it turns out I don't want to. <laughs> you know what I mean? But to, yeah. <laughs> to, hear, to hear Lyndall Hover say, after her son had passed away, I wouldn't have done anything different. He lived a great life. I thought, that courage, I want to I wanna have some of that courage. Like, do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, the courage, yeah. the courage to say that I'm going to live well today, the best I can today, and I don't, I don't care what happens tomorrow. You, you, you know, and when you really stop and think about it, I mean, you live in San Diego. The traffic there is insane, right? Yeah, it is. <laughs> do you drive in a car? Yeah. Do you ever mm-hmm. think? Every day. Do you get in the car every day and think, oh my God, I'm going to die? Some days. <laughs> <laughs> Brittany, I've driven in LA. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, it's scary. <laughs> but, but you still, but the point is, is you still do it. Mm-hmm. So I think that in there is the answer. Like how badly do you want to live a healthy life? Would would you rather be Brittany at 45 struggling to, I don't know, be healthy or would you rather, you know what I mean? Like, would you rather take the risk and, and see what you can do? Because, you know, there are no, you know, we don't ever talk about this really, but there's no guarantee that my daughter is not going to have health issues just because her A1C is low and her blood sugars are well controlled. Like Mm -hmm. she could still, this disease could still screw with her and, but this gives her a better shot. And so I just want, I just want to have a, like a tiny bit of Mrs. Hover's courage. And so I used what she said. I used what my nurse practitioner said. I used what I saw because you're seeing it too, right? You don't want your blood sugar at 200. And so I took all those things and I thought, okay, damn it. Like, let's figure this out. Like, let's really figure this out. And then that's where the rest of it comes in. Like learning how to like land a blood sugar and keep it level so that you don't have to eat when it gets, so you don't get too low and you have to eat and you get off the roller coaster. The roller coaster is is one of the next big steps. Like you, you have to get off. You have to, Mm -hmm. you have to learn how to bump and nudge your blood sugar so that it's not getting wildly high you're not putting on a bunch of insulin and then later you're getting wildly low because right now what you're lacking is the balance between the insulin and the blood sugar. 
I usually explain it to people like overhead projector stuff, but you're pretty young. So um, <laughs> we're going to go the tug of war route with you. Okay. So, yep. um, so imagine, imagine you've got this, you know, you've got this rope and there's a, a flag in the middle and on one side, the carbohydrates are pulling and on the other side, your insulin's pulling, but your goal as the, as the flag is to stay in the middle. You don't want the carbs or the insulin to win. You want them to pull and pull and pull till they both get exhausted and stop at the same time. So if you start with your blood sugar where you want it, that flag in the middle, and you come to the realization that the way insulin works isn't instantaneous, and you figure out in yourself, how long after I bolus this much does my blood sugar take to start moving? And give, give that insulin, that head start and that tug of war, and think about how long does it take for the carbs to start moving my blood sugar after I start eating? And just find that timing, that balance, so that the insulin's pulling, but can't pull quite hard enough to move the flag. And just as it's getting strong, the carbs start pulling, and they just are in this fruitless battle. Neither of them can win. And then the rest of it is, of course, to get the food sort of through your system, you know, the, the impact of the carbs to slow down as the insulin's slowing down. Because all a high blood sugar is after a meal is the existence of the carbs in your system still when there is no insulin and all low is, is the existence of insulin when there are no carbs. And as crazy as that might sound like insanely difficult, you have a Dexcom. It's not like, so in the beginning when you don't know what the heck you're doing, just if I was you, I'd, I'd do my pre-bolus. I'd be more aggressive about it. I would start mm -hmm. eating. I'd start eating when my blood sugar was, you know, starting to decline and more like 120 than 110 or 120 than 150. And then I would see, okay, I put the insulin in at this time. It took this long for it to start to fall. That's probably my pre-bolus time right there. Um, I started eating at this time and then the, the diagonal down arrow, the down arrow leveled out that distance of time between when I started eating and when the arrow leveled up, that's about the time the carbs take. And then before you know it, you won't think about it like that anymore. You, you know what I mean? You just, yeah. instead it'll just happen. You'll just, mm -hmm. you'll just put the insulin in and all this timing stuff that seems so important, you'll learn after a while. It does. It's not very specific. You just kind of have to get the insulin going and then put the food in. And if you miss on the insulin and your blood sugar starts going back up, put some more insulin in. Don't wait. Like I, after Arden eats, if she gets the diagonal up 130, I start to bolus again. Like, I just assume I did not put in enough insulin or I mistimed it. And if I mistimed it, then maybe she's going to try to get low later. But I'd much rather address that with some quick acting juice or something like that than to let her go to 270. Does any, yeah. does any of that help you? Yeah, I know. It totally does. I'm just on the opposite. I'd rather be 270 than like going low. <laughs> I don't know why. Well, sure. um, Let's not say you don't know why because it's freaking scary. <laughs> it's really yeah, scary. Yeah, it is scary. Yeah. And... And listen, there's nothing wrong with being scared of it. It makes 100% sense, but it's just that's your goal is to get past that fear because, because you, I mean, you know, listen, you reached out to me. This isn't what you want. It's not what you want for yourself, right? Yeah, definitely not. So, so what do you want and how do you think, like, can you examine yourself a little bit and think about, like, what are some of your sticking points that maybe we could alleviate or talk through? Um, well, I start correcting for a low when I'm at like 120 
<laughs> like diagonal down. Yeah. I'll start correcting already, and then I skyrocket to 200. So do you ever just wait and see what happens? I do sometimes, and it ends up being like 105, but I freaked out the other times. So then I go to like 200, so I, and I have to correct again, and then I go back to that point where it's like about to go low. I just feel like my sugars are never sturdy. It's always like going up or going down. There's no like steady line. So when I see people with that steady line graph, I'm like, what are they doing? Because well, <laughs> mine is always up and down. Here's what they're doing or not doing. They're not correcting a perfect blood sugar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a bad thing to do. <laughs> when I see 120 diagonal down, I'm like, oh, we're finally getting there. And, and if it leveled off at 105, in my heart, what I'd be thinking is, ooh, this is perfect. Maybe it'll drift down to 85, where I'd really like it. <laughs> do, you, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So, and mm -hmm. so maybe it's just your – because you're not, you're not operating in a low spot where you're in – you know, it's not dangerous for you. So mm -hmm. it, it is more about the way you're thinking about the numbers. And so – it makes me go all the way back to one of those episodes. I don't know if you ever heard it where um, there's a mother of a son who she just admitted. I, I didn't get it out of her. just came out of her. She was being honest. And she said, I'm at the point where I think of 200 as being right. And, mm -hmm, and I, yeah. I've talked myself into believing 200 is not too bad. So when we're at 200, I don't do anything. Yeah, that's yeah. where I'm at. Right, right. And so, so I think you just changed the numbers. Right, because you're not unsafe mm -hmm. at 100, and you're not unsafe at 80. All, all you are, you're what you you appear to be being conflicted by the actual number. So, mm -hmm. so you have to change your opinion of the numbers, and forget the high stuff. Don't don't worry about the like scaring yourself stuff. I don't want you to scare yourself. I want you to not be scared. Like I want you to look at an 80 and think, oh my god, I won, not. Not oh my god I'm low and I'm gonna die because yeah <laughs> because nothing bad's gonna happen to you when your blood sugar is at eighty nothing mm -hmm. it, as a matter of fact it's probably perfect you know and so eighty and falling obviously I mean I guess we can say this eighty and falling would be a different situation that that would need a correction mm -hmm. but eighty instead I mean listen you just heard me give my daughter ten units she weighs about ninety six pounds at this point. I gave her ten, mm. 10 units of insulin while her blood sugar was 75. Do you remember how long? Let me tell you how long ago that was. That was 15. I have to look at my text so I know for sure. Now, I'm using a different an insulin than you are. Mm -hmm. But I just figured out how it works in her. So we gave her that bolus at 10.16 my time. It's 10.35. So let's call that 20 minutes. When we did it, her CGM had her at 75, right? And I, told, yeah. and I told you there was a little bend up at the end of the three-hour line. So she's had that insulin in for 20 minutes. We did, I think we did nothing up front. So maybe the first two-thirds of the insulin are in now. Some of it's active. What do you think her blood sugar is right now? I would say low, but it's probably not low. <laughs> like but, but, I would say like 50. Okay, so that's what I want to get at, what you think, mm -hmm. right? So Arden's, yeah. Arden's blood sugar is 72. And her, her graph line is exactly the way you're talking about it. As a matter of fact, it's been like that for the last six hours. Now, wow. I also want you to know that at 3 a.m., she had a spike. Um, she went all the way to 200 at 3 a.m. It's not like Arden's blood sugars are perfect all the time. Um, we do, we don't restrict the kinds of food she eats. So she does have 
you know, she does have spikes. Um, we've been over 130 three times in the last 24 hours. One time I got it back really fast. One time it took a couple hours to get back from about 180 to 130. And then the overnight, like I said, spiked up really high. And it actually took a couple hours to come back down. Um, the point is, is that I think what you're seeing is happening and what you're expecting is going to happen at this point are two different things. So I think you're in that spot where I use this very convoluted sentence to explain it. You have the CGM, you have a Dexcom, you can see what's happening. You've been watching it for a while. You know what happens. Like you need to start believing that what you know is going to happen is going to happen. Because right now what you're doing is you are looking at all the data. You see for sure what's going to happen. And then you decide to not believe it. Does that sound right? Did you know the Omnipod Tubal Sinsulin Pump has over a hundred thousand members in its Potter community? Potter with a D and another D, two Ds, P-O-D-D-E-R. Not Potter, like that magical guy in the movies. Potters. And there's a hundred thousand of them and you could become one of them. Whether you're currently using daily insulin injections or a traditional tubed insulin pump to manage your diabetes, the two-part Omnipod insulin management system can simplify insulin delivery and help you to live your life on your terms. Type 1 diabetes, type 2 gestational, LADA, they call that LADA, latent autoimmune diabetes, you've heard of it. Doesn't matter which you have, the Omnipod system may be the perfect fit for you. And here's how you're going to find out. You're going to go to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box. You're going to click on the links in the show notes or go to juiceboxpodcast.com. Those links are there as well. When you get there, you fill in the tiniest bit of simple information about yourself, and Omnipod will send you out a demo. It's a non-functioning demo pod that they're happy to send to your house so that you can wear it, live with it, and decide if what I'm telling you about the Omnipod is true. I think you're going to find that it is absolutely fantastic, and you're going to want to know more. It's going to be that simple. MyOmnipod.com forward slash juicebox. The links in your show notes are at juiceboxpodcast.com. Get a free no obligation demo pod today. There is nothing better than free and there's nothing better than not being obligated. Unless you're a magical wizard. That would probably be better. But I mean, you know. You see for sure what's going to happen and then you decide to not believe it. Does that sound right? Yeah, that sounds totally right. I feel like when I do, like, when I actually do what I'm supposed to, that's when I always experience my lows. So I kind of just don't do what I'm supposed to do. So I don't experience those lows. But what's the low? Put the- um, like, for say, yesterday, I was like 52. Okay. And I actually bolus a little bit less for what I ate. And I did my correction. I started off at a good number. And then I ended up being 52. And what'd you but do? I didn't even give myself the full insulin, so it was kind of weird. Well, what'd you do for the 52? Um, <laughs> I had two cups of orange juice and a <laughs> packet of Skittles, like the small ones. <laughs> so, Brittany, the answer I would like to hear from you is I, I overreacted to my 52. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I really did. <laughs> I always just feel like it's not going to go up fast enough and it's just going to keep going down. And Well, was it... what? What was happening on the Dexcom? Was it 52 falling? Was it 52? It was 52 diagonal down. Okay. So you're falling, you think, one or two points per 
minute, maybe. And okay, so let's say you were scared enough to to drink a, an orchard of orange juice, which it sounds like. <laughs> did, you just the, did you just throw the skittles in because you were like, oh hell, in this, I might as well have some skittles too? Or yeah, pretty <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so then here's the funny thing: if I did that, so I I've done that right but i would i panic at a little lower number than you do but if arden was like 40 diagonal down i might be like oh this is really not working and give her a bunch of stuff now here's the difference between you and me when her diagonal arrow up happens i would have tested because she's probably higher than the cgm says right Mm -hmm. and if i would see for instance in your situation if i put all that food in and then i saw a 60 and a diagonal up i'd probably bolus for two-thirds of the carbs that she took in. And why is that? Because you know what those carbs are going to do, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, so you can't... So here's my theory about this. In the course of a month, if you hit 50 a couple of times with type 1 diabetes, you're doing fine. You might almost expect that, right? Mm-hmm. But what you can't start living to expect is you can't plan for something to go wrong you have to plan for something to go right because getting something to go right is not easy and something going wrong is going to happen one way or the other because you're experiencing 52 and you're still keeping your blood sugar at 200. So let's, Mm -hmm. so, so let's say to ourselves, look, I know my blood sugar is probably going to get lower than I wanted to sometimes, but I'm not going to let that affect how I handle all the other times because those lows are an anomaly for you. So, if an anomaly happens twice a month, why would we take the other 28 days and act like they're happening when they're not? So I always, I used to tell Arden's school teachers when she was really young, we'd put all these things in place and everything. And they would always say, so we're going to, all these, all these things we're doing, this is to keep her from getting low. And I used to laugh and I went, no, no, no. All these things we are doing is so you can handle it when she gets low because she's going to get low. Mm-hmm. We're not we're not planning to stop a low. We're planning to live well, and then when a low comes, we know how to handle it. And so, I don't know if that makes if that's convoluted or not. But you can't you can't plan for failure because you're going to get it then. Yeah. You, you, you know what I mean. So, and fifty two. Were you alone? Were you, was your husband there? Uh no, I was at work. What kind of work do you do? Like you, you don't have to say what, but are you, are you doing something physical or are you sitting at a desk? Um, I'm just a nanny. <laughs> I watch two little kids. You're not just a nanny. That's a big deal. So now, you, so you have you have two little kids with you. So not only are you worried for yourself, but if you plop over, those kids are going to probably eat you alive, like cats. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> you don't want to. You don't want to wake up after your liver kicks in and find like a three year old gnawing at your stomach. That's weird. Kid, you, know, <laughs> you know how quick those kids will panic and think they're starving and go right to like. Cannibalism? (laughs) You don't need that, Brittany. I understand. Yeah. (laughs) But no, you have a responsibility. So you have a responsibility to yourself. You have a responsibility to these kids. And but let's talk about the rest of it. You you drank the uh, the 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 citrus orchard. You ate the skittles. Do you ever smash the skittles together so you get two colors at once? No, I've never tried. You're not you're not a fat kid. Next time, like I am. So you have that going on, right? What end, Tell me what happened afterwards. Where'd your blood sugar go and how fast did it go there? So I actually leveled out 
at like 130, which I was surprised at because usually when I do stuff like that, it's like 300. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, I ended up being 130, and um, it went up pretty fast. I don't know. I checked it probably 15 minutes later, and it was already at 100, so I knew not to correct anymore because I definitely overdid it. <laughs> did it? Uh, it did it stay at 130? It actually did stay at 130. I was so, really surprised. So then this is a good example of this really is an anomalous situation. You really did somehow mess up your bolus. Mm-hmm. And, and or the food didn't do what you expected or there's one of those physiological things going on when, you know, that happens periodically who god knows why it happens, right? Where yeah. where you do everything to it it is worth noting, right? Like the things I talk about, like do you have to expect that what's going to happen is going to happen, but you have to know that once in a while, it's not like it's it. There's where the diabetes comes in. Like once in a while, you're going to do everything right. And something's going to go bonkers, mm-hmm. but, but, then, <laughs> but then you handled it. Like I, I don't, I don't see that you did anything wrong in this situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Usually when that happens though, I will be 300 after. Right. I definitely raid the raid the kitchen for whatever I could find. <laughs> so, so what would have happened? At what point after, like, say it didn't level off at three hundred, at what point would you have done something about a rising blood sugar? Um, I probably would have let it stay high for a while because I would be really annoyed that I went low. Because when I go low, I feel like I'm honestly dying. Like I'm like shaking, and I just feel like my whole body's like shutting down. So I'd probably just let it mellow there for like a little bit, just so I know I was safe for like a second. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, um, yeah, but probably like an hour after I would do something about it, which I know and is the, not and by good. The, that's where you're at your 270 you're talking about, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden now you've got this high blood sugar, and it's going to take a ton of insulin to pull it back down, and then, then you start roller coastering like that. Yep. Right. Exactly. So, so listen, so in this one specific situation, you did it exactly right. Had it been a situation where that 130 would have kept climbing, then... At some point, so then think of it this way. If you're too scared to bolus for the food, start thinking about stopping the arrow on, on your Dexcom line. You have a diagonal up or a straight up arrow. Start thinking, well, I'm going to at least bolus enough to stop the rise, right? And, and yeah. that concept is the same way you need to stop a falling blood sugar too. You don't want to overfeed the, the, the fall. You just want to stop it. And, and especially before it gets to the point where you have that overwhelming feeling like you need to eat the kitchen, you know, yeah. like it could be when it becomes like physiological, like this, this drive, you want to try to stop that fall before you get to that spot. I've seen it in Arden. Like she could eat the countertop. Mm-hmm. Like if she thought there were carbs in the, in the, you know, in the slab that's on the counter, she'd, she'd start. That. And that's where as a, as a parent, I'm lucky I can stand in between her and go, please just. Let's give it five minutes, you know, and see how you feel. Um, where you don't, you don't have that. You don't, you don't have like somebody who can step in and be the like the voice of reason when your body's going eat everything, mm-hmm. um, and that's that sucks. But you you can make small incremental changes, like I said. Like so, if you're going up a little bit, don't bolus for all of it. Bolus to stop the arrow. You know, how did you get yeah. so quick to fifty two? What did you like? Was it just anomalous? Um, I think I woke up. I was at breakfast time, so I woke up and I was 220 because I don't go to bed under 200. Right. <laughs> and I corrected for that. And then I also was eating oatmeal at that same time. Mm-hmm. So I started eating when I was 220 and gave myself insulin for the oatmeal. But I only did like 20 carbs and it was really like 30-ish. 
and somehow I went low. I don't know. Kids, I guess I'm running around with the kids and stuff, so maybe. You had some activity you weren't yeah. accounting for. Or maybe the oatmeal hit you a little slow, too. That sounds like something that digests kind of slow. Yeah, it has a lot of fiber. I, don't, yeah. I think that makes a difference. So, so okay. So, so now just learn from it the next time. Like I always try to say on here, like, don't think of that as a mistake or, you know, an error. Just use it as data. Like, okay, I did this and this happened. So next time I'll do it a little more like this and hopefully that this will happen. Because because you were, you know, you were pretty far off there. That because the Skittles, the orange juice, you obviously had a lot of insulin going you didn't need. Mm-hmm. But you handled it really well. And so but I want to go back to something you said previously when you were talking about the beginning of it. You went to bed at 200 and you woke up at 220. Mm-hmm. The really good news in there is you stayed really stable overnight. Yeah. <laughs> so imagine had you gone to bed at 120, you would have woken up at 140. Yeah, I know. Right? So, so, so I think your goal here is to keep pushing down the tolerances. I think that the, the, the way I did that, because Arden's high, you know, high number used to be at you know, 225 and then Oh, I noticed, well, I'm really good at keeping Arden's blood sugar stable at 225. So I was like, I pushed it to 200. I was like, oh, I'm really good at keeping it at 200. So I went to 180 and I went to 170 and 150 and 130. And I'm getting ready to move it to 120 now. Because what I learned was after I knew how to keep her stable, I just got what I expected. Like I, I, and that's it. Like I set my expectation somewhere because you're working towards a goal. Right now, your goal is 180. You're working towards a goal of 180. If you make your goal 150 or 140 or 130, that's the goal you'll be working towards. You'll use you'll use less insulin, um, and when you use less insulin, you'll get less volatility. It's just it is. I don't want to say it's simple, but it is kind of simple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I overcomplicate everything sometimes. <laughs> like it's more like the emotional side for me where I don't want to do what's right. Sure. <clears throat> but if I would just do it, I'd probably be fine. Absolutely. And, and do you know, when did you get a Dexcom? How old were you? Um, I probably got it two years ago. So 21. Okay. So your mother, I don't know if you talked to your mom or not, but, but so your mom doesn't have any experience with it. So she can't really be helpful. Um, she's actually following me on there. Her and my husband follow me on the Dexcom follow. Okay. But I'm saying she didn't have any previous knowledge about diabetes. Oh, no. The CGM. So she doesn't really have any, she doesn't have any input that might be valuable from what worked for her previously. Yeah. She has, she has no clue how to work that thing. (laughs) (laughs) It's great. Um, Okay. So what do you think? We're down into, we're getting into the last little bits here. So what do you think? Let's try to pick three things. Let's try to pick three things that put you in a position to be more successful. Um, what did you? What do you feel like are your biggest hurdles that that are holding you back? Um, probably I don't bolus the right amount. So, like I said, I, if it's eighty carbs, I'll do sixty. I never do above probably five units. Okay. For any meal ever. So I'll just rather go really high. Like, it just freaks me out having that much on board. Mm-hmm. So I know, like you were saying, um, kind of do like a extended bolus. Maybe that would help me. You could also tempt basil a little bit, too. You could. Yeah. You could If you're using five units and you think it should be more, like, what's your basal rate about average? I think uh, I think it's 1.1. One, but you're 23 and it's 1.1. Do you weigh, like, eight pounds? How big are you? No. No? I'm, I'm definitely not eight pounds. 
<laughs> Are you nine feet tall and really skinny? Uh, no. no. So, so, so maybe try this, right? So if you think about it this way, if you pre-bolus 15 minutes before and you were to double your basal rate for an hour, 15 minutes before, you'd be getting an extra unit of basal through that hour. Mm-hmm. Plus a little bit of a pre-bolus. Maybe that's a good part, place to start. I, I tell you, I find that extra basil really helps for food. Yeah, so. I always hear you talking about that. I'm just never sure how to like, kind of like know how much and how long. I feel like you just do it so naturally. You're like, I'm just going to do temp basil extra this, you know, for this long. <laughs> I wish you guys could hear the voice in my head that just says, more insulin. Like, I don't really, <laughs> really think about the numbers of it so much. So just... Blood sugar's high. Like, so it, there's that really basic tenet, right? If your blood sugar's high, you've either mistimed, miscalculated, or a combination of the both your insulin. And if your blood sugar's too low, you've either mistimed, miscalculated, or a combination of both your insulin. So um, if you're using five and five isn't enough, and you're looking for a way to sneak in, let's sneak in an extra unit by doubling your basal. And then mm-hmm. look and say, okay, that happened. And you know, here's the other thing. I give this advice to parents a lot, but this might really help to you. And of course, it's not really advice. It's something I say to them. But um, when I'm talking to them privately, the weekend is a super great time to test these ideas because you can do this one very boring thing on the weekend. And that very boring thing is you can serve yourself the same meals two days in a row. <laughs> so you can pick a breakfast, pick a lunch, pick a dinner, and give it to yourself I'd start Friday night with the dinner and give it to yourself over and over again because you eliminate variables when you do that. So there's less to consider when something doesn't go the way you want. You know, so if you have a, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, so for lunch today, you choose a 15 minute pre bowls, but you, you go to 20 minutes and you double your basil to, you know, 95% increase for an hour and you bolus your five units and your blood sugar goes up and it stops at 160. So then maybe the next day you use the same pre-bolus but, and you double the basal again, but you make it six units instead of five units. And then you'll see, oh my God, that time my, it only went up to 140. So then what you can really say is if I do the basal again and the pre-bolus again and add one more unit, I bet you I'm going to be at 120 after this. And then you can start moving around the, temp ba- the um, pre-bolus time or maybe extending the, the, the basal a little more. And, but because you take out all the other variables... You, it's easier to see what's happening and make sense of it. Mm-hmm. So a, yeah, a, week a, or, a weekend or two of the same meal over and over, which your husband's going to love. Um, yeah. and so, <laughs> trust me, you're going to hate it too. But it, but it really helps. It, it eliminates things to think about when you're trying to make sense of the data you're seeing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the data is kind of overwhelming sometimes too. Yeah, like I I see all these numbers, but I don't remember you know what I ate when it spiked, and then um, don't don't worry stuff about like that. that. So so simplify it. Like like uh, here I'll I'll let you into my silly brain for a second. I don't think about the numbers at all. I just look at the line and I go, okay, well there wasn't enough there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so more uh, or sooner, because a, a hard spike like a spike that jumps up. Obviously, I needed the insulin sooner because the the the, the food got way ahead. Um, a, a soft rise that that continues up might be a little bit sooner, but maybe moreover, it's more. So hold on one second. Mm-hmm. Hold on, I've, my son is coming in the room. I 
genuinely asked him last night. I said, please don't come in the house before 11 o'clock tomorrow. And he's like, I absolutely won't. Don't worry. Oh. <laughs> and, now, and now here he is. You couldn't sit in that car I bought you for a couple of minutes? No? Okay. Uh, so, um, <laughs> but but so that that's another great idea, right? Like a hard spike indicates, wow, I, I did not give my insulin time to start working. And mm-hmm. from there, you can't tell how much you miscounted on the insulin because you're flying up now. Now the insulin that you counted for the food, you're expecting to cover the food and the spike. It can't do that. It's not enough. But a, yeah. a more gradual one could be an indication that I just didn't use enough. My pre-bolus isn't bad. Like I didn't fly up, but I am climbing. So the food's overpowering the insulin, but not at the same rate as a tough spike. I don't really think about the numbers. I think about that stuff. Yeah. You, 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 Maybe an easier way to think of it. I don't have the mind. I genuinely don't have the mind for that. I really don't. So, um, all right, Brittany, guess what Arden's blood sugar is now? Uh, um, 100. <laughs> See? It's 69. Oh, my gosh. And it's probably not. If I tested her, she's probably more yeah. like 75 or 80. But, but look at what's going on here. We put the insulin in now 25, 35, 40 minutes ago. So she's mm. easily done eating. I, yeah. I either got this really right and she's going to sit around 70 or 80 or I messed this up and it's still not enough insulin and it's going to cut those cookies are going to the, the high fructose corn syrup and those Oreos <laughs> come get me in about 20 minutes. But if that happens, I'm completely comfortable putting in a little more insulin to stop it. So I, my goal here is in an hour from now, Arden's blood sugar is going to be about 90. And think about that. That would be amazing. I'm not even with her. I didn't count the carbs. I just went cookies, pretzels, right? right? And and I leaned on what I know worked in the past. And and for me, that's something I think you, you probably need to do. You have to stop worrying so much about the numbers and think about the last time I did this, this didn't work, so I need more. Or the last time I did this, this worked fine, so I should do that again. You, you know what I mean? Like, makes sense. Yeah, I think the numbers are, they're sort of meaningless. It's, you know, like, like for instance, you said you drive a car, right? So when you push on the brake to stop the car, do you know how many pounds per square inch you're pushing on the brake? No, I have no clue. <laughs> right. But you know, you can stop the car, okay? Imagine, mm-hmm. imagine if I put that on you and I said, Brittany, I need you to figure out mathematically how hard to push on that brake to stop the car. Well, you'd run into a lot of stuff because that would be really confusing. <laughs> and I think we do that a lot with diabetes. I think we put these like these, you know, we, doctors slap these these ranges on you because they're, you know, because they're safe to give to people. If you get low, eat 15 carbs, wait 15 minutes and test again. That's like mm-hmm. don't die advice. That won't kill you. Right? That, that doesn't keep your blood sugar high or low. It just keeps you from falling so far something bad happens. Yeah. And, and then you get stuck. Some people, like you, get stuck in the math of it, but the math is meaningless. It, it, you know what I mean? You're never going to control diabetes by counting carbs exactly and then using insulin. It's the other mm-hmm. stuff. The other stuff that some people call the magic, I, I call it, you know, I break it down into to more of... Um, into kind of easy to follow things. And actually I can tell you that I just put an episode up last night called let's talk Turkey and it's 15 minutes long. And it's just me rolling through the, the tools I'm going to use for Thanksgiving tomorrow to keep Arden's blood sugar stable. 
We'll have to listen to that one. <laughs> so it's, just a, it's a rehash of everything we've talked about here, but very condensed and, mm-hmm. and very quick. Um, okay, so we, we you need to start using insulin more sort of appropriately, a little more aggressively. Maybe we'll call it bold, right? And then, mm-hmm. and we need to, I think, I think you need to lower your high threshold on your Dexcom so you can react sooner with less insulin. And I think you should start believing that what's going to happen is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to see you move away from a train yard because I don't see how you're getting any sleep like that. Is it, is it, is it a train? <laughs> yeah, it is. You have po- good ears. Your po- no, your podcast has the, you know, usually I think of like background noise as noise, but yours just has this wonderful ambiance behind it that I think I'm. <laughs> but I think those are the three good places for you to start. Believe, believe what's going to happen is going to happen. Be more, you know, aggressive, um, and and move your t- your line down in your Dexcom so that you can, you know, like I said, less insulin to get the same. I don't, th- and that should stop the roller coaster a little bit. And mm-hmm. try not to overtreat your lows so aggressively. Ugh, I know, <laughs> my biggest my biggest downfall but is my excuse to eat food. <laughs> well, listen, let your excuse to be eat food your bolus. Just bolus and eat. I wish I wish everyone could be here. When we make a last minute decision to buy like Chinese food and, mm, and yeah. blood sugar is like 140 and I'm like, okay, so order the food now. It'll be here in 20 minutes. Let's put a unit on to get her 140 moving. I see the food coming in the door. I slam her with insulin um, and try to get her to 80 when the, when the Chinese really kicks in. So now I've got this aggressive amount of insulin working against this aggressive amount of carbs, but this fight they're having is at 80. And so, the, mm-hmm. and when it ends, you're just there. And if it starts going low, then hey, a little fast acting, just a little bit, a little fast acting juice or something like that. And if it starts going high, I didn't use enough or I mistimed it more. And yeah. and just fight to keep those that line in that in that in that space. Mm-hmm. Chinese food is the worst on my blood sugars too. Of oh, it's I, insane. It's yeah. so bad. Oh, it's absolutely <laughs> insane. But there'll be a moment where the things we're talking about today, you'll be able to use these things. And fight against much bigger carbs than the ones you're trying for now. Seriously, I genuinely believe that six months from now, you could be in a completely different place. So, do you have any questions or anything else? Um, I'm trying to think. What would you put as like the low, like for Arden, what's her low? Um, 70. Mine, 70, okay. Yeah, but it took us a while to get to that. Um, yeah. I think you're at, ni- you're at 90 right now. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with being aware at 90. You, you know what I mean? But I wouldn't start, yeah. I wouldn't, if it was a slow drift, I wouldn't touch it. If it was a diagonal down, I'd nudge it with a couple, like maybe five Skittles, not, not the box. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and bump and nudge. Just remember bump and nudge. Just mm-hmm. I'm gonna bump. I'm going to nudge this line. I'm not going to slam it. Um, by the way, Arden's Dexcom just adjusted. She's 79 now and I'm seeing a bend. So it's very possible that just like I said, I might be bolusing again in the next 15 minutes so what else um i'm trying to think um i'm really bad at questions i'm like i feel like i have so many because i listen to your podcast all the time but Brittany, write them down write them down okay and don't be scared to like reach out again and we could talk privately or i just i kind of nudged you towards coming on the podcast because i want the people to hear who are like, that bold with insulin is a great idea. I'm going to try that. Oh, it didn't work. 
I want, you know, yeah. like I, I don't want them to then go, uh, well, forget it. I guess that's just something I'm not good at because that's not the truth. The truth is mm-hmm. you just haven't kind of put the pieces together yet. So I think it's been really valuable to hear what it is. I mean, I knew I was going to do a lot of the talking in this one, and I apologize for that. But, no, it's, um, it's better that way. <laughs> but, but I knew your questions were going to be really specific, and, and mm-hmm. I knew they were going to lead us to some good information. So I think you did a great thing for people today and for yourself. So, I mean, oh, congratulations. Thank you for having me. No, please. Congratulations. <laughs> for, this is not an easy thing to do, to reach out and say, I, you know, I can be on a podcast. And you weren't, you weren't saying that when you emailed me. I was saying <laughs> Brittany was just like, this isn't working. And I was like, come on the podcast. I bet you her next email was like, she was probably don't think. And like, that's not why I emailed. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I called my mom. I'm like, mom, what do I do? She's like, do it. <laughs> well, tell your mom I said hello. I think it was incredibly brave of Brittany to come on and share like this. Thank you so much, Brittany, for doing that. Thank you also to Dexcom and Omnipod for sponsoring the show and giving Brittany a place to tell her story. Please go to Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox or myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox to find out more. Thank you also for everyone who's been putting up the great reviews and ratings on iTunes. I appreciate that very much. Okay, now I'm going to share with you Brittany's note, not word for word because it's personal, but the intent of it. Brittany is still struggling with her fear of insulin and low blood sugars. She is very excited to hear herself on the podcast, hoping that that might help her make another leap. But she's, in her words, worried that the disease is winning. Now, we all know that that's not going to be the case for Brittany long term. She's going to find a way past it. But I wanted to share that part with you in case the changes that you're trying to make in your life aren't happening as quickly as you would hope. When you're being bold, that doesn't necessarily mean you're winning. I think it's more of an intent and a feeling inside. It's about not giving up, not about always getting what you want. And Brittany is not giving up. And I just, I have a very good feeling for her. I know it's going to work out. Okay. Well, now I'm going to make myself cry at the end of the podcast. This is not a good way to end. Sorry about this. Guys, there's going to be a bonus episode this week. This is episode 175, I think. So there was also an episode 174. If you are multiple daily injections, you definitely do not want to miss it. Look in your podcast player. You got two this week.